Today we celebrate the feast of St. Catherine of Siena, who was one of the greatest um, female saints of the Church's history. St. Catherine of Siena lived in a particularly difficult time in the Church when the morals of the members of the clergy from the lowest to the highest ranks were generally very corrupt and immoral. The Pope himself was living in a very disgraceful way away from Rome in Avignon. And St. Catherine of Siena, consecrated, she consecrated herself in her virginity to our Lord at the age of seven years old. And in her very short but very powerful life, she succeeded in making a very appropriate and necessary filial correction to the Holy Father, which brought him back to Rome, brought the papacy back to where it belongs. She also had a very full diplomatic life on behalf of the Holy See in trying to settle disputes among the warring Italian factions at the time, and she was very loyal to the Pope during the Great Schism between uh, the usurper conclave that tried to elect a new Pope in order to depose the reigning and true Pope. So St. Catherine of Siena is a very excellent example of courage in the face of great adversity. She despised human respect. She was a virgin. She consecrated her body and soul to the service of her Lord and spouse, Jesus Christ. And so we can pray that in our own day, our Lord raise up a saint similar to her to help in the analogous situations which we may see in our church in these modern times that we live in. St. Catherine of Siena tells us, be who God meant you to be and you will set the world on fire. She gives us this example in her own life, but it's true of each of us in our own way. If we are who God wills us to be, if we correspond with his grace, we too can become great saints. The measure of greatness for each of us is the level of correspondence between our own lives and the will of God for our lives. And so, depending on your state in life, whether you're a mother or a father, or a member of the clergy or religious, the measure of your holiness is not the greatness of your deeds, but the greatness of your conformity with the will of God. Many of us perhaps long for a great prophet like St. Catherine to come and write so many things which are wrong today. There's so many in the church who don't speak the truth, who lack courage, who seem to court human favor rather than divine favor. And these are great ills, they're great evils indeed. However, our path to holiness does not consist in a material imitation of St. Catherine's great deeds, unless that's what God's will is for us, but rather doing our own duty, being well who we are, and if we do that, then we can trust that God will take care of the rest. God will take care of raising up the saints that are necessary as long as we are the saint who he wills us to be. But it is a good lesson to learn that we should never fear the proclamation of the truth. St. Catherine says, proclaim the truth and do not be silent through fear. Speak the truth in a million voices, it is silence that kills. So speaking the truth is always necessary, and we should never fear to speak the truth so long as we speak the truth in charity. The truth must never be a pretext for a lack of proper reverence, and St. Catherine had all the reverence which was due to uh, the Holy Father, which was due to the men, men of the Church, 
whom she took to task, but she did it in a charitable way. She did it in her place according to her state in life. God inspired her with the courage to go and speak the truth to those who needed to hear it. And there's nothing um, but, ad but uh, matter for admiration in what she did. But beyond her great deeds, we should draw another, perhaps more important, lesson from the life of St. Catherine of Siena. It's the, consecrated, the vocation to consecrate one's virginity to Christ. Today, the vocation to the religious life, the vocation to be a consecrated virgin, is often seen by our contemporaries, and perhaps even implicitly by our fellow Catholics, as something to be more pitied than admired. It's something that the girls who are homely do because they can't find a good husband. It's unfortunate when our fellow Catholics look at a girl going into the convent as someone who is to be regretted. Oh, the poor girl, she couldn't find a husband. It's such a shame she couldn't have children or get married. This is an attitude that is full of worldliness. It's not an attitude that is becoming for faithful followers of Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ deserves the very best. He doesn't deserve the homely and the second picks who couldn't find a husband. That's not the purpose of consecrating oneself to Christ. Christ calls whom he will, and that choice is his. We shouldn't try to look down on women who choose the married vocation, which is also very dignified, but the vocation to consecrated virginity is objectively more excellent than the married life. Marriage is a, an objectively inferior vocation, and the cons consecrated virginity is a superior vocation, because the consecrated virgin gives her heart, her body, her mind, her soul, all her affections belong to Jesus Christ, who alone can claim those affections. Whereas a married woman, by vocation, must be divided. She gives herself to her husband and to Christ through her husband. But there's an additional step there, and she's divided. St. Paul even says that. He who is without a wife thinks of the things of the Lord and of the things that are above, but the married man thinks of his wife and how to please his wife, and vice versa. So today... Perhaps Catholics are rediscovering their admiration and respect for the priestly vocation because a priest is a very public person. He can speak the truth in the face of adversity. He's visible to families. He's uh, much more admirable in a certain sense, in a more worldly way than perhaps a nun is who closes herself in a cloister. However, the nuns in the cloister are the means by which you receive the prayers that you uh, make to God, for good priests, for example, or for finding your own spouse. Nuns in a cloister are like God's special forces, like God's artillery, if you will. They're behind the lines, but they do most of the work. They're like Moses, who sat upon the mountain when the Israelites were in battle with their enemies, and Moses had his hands outstretched. And as long as his hands were upheld, the Israelites gained victory. But once he tired out and let his hands down, the enemies uh, would gain the upper hand in the battle. So Moses had Aaron and Miriam hold his hands up to make intercession with the Almighty for those fighting the battle. 
Too often today we're impressed by those who fight the battle and not those who make the intercession on their behalf. But this is really putting the cart before the horse. If you don't have a horse, there's no sense having a cart. The horse draws the cart. The nuns intercede for and obtain victories for priests. They intercede and obtain victories for the church, for families. But without the intercession of nuns, there would be many, many, much fewer victory to be had on the spiritual battlefield. We have to re-emphasize this today. If you have young ladies in your family, daughters, who are discerning a vocation, it is of the utmost importance that you encourage them to consider consecrating themselves, body and soul, to Jesus Christ. He has a right over to them more than anyone else does. And they are not to be pitied, but in a certain sense envied and admired for the great sublime vocation which is theirs as spouses of the divine uh, bridegroom. It's important for us, I'll close with this, to remember the words of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 16, verse 15, he says to the Pharisees, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. What is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Men too often exalt certain things that we like little fairy tale princess stories for women where they meet the prince charming and they get married and have a nice life together and that's what we consider success even on a good level we think that a, the right vocation for a young lady is to meet a very good uh, chivalrous catholic husband and to have lots of children that is a good vocation but it's an even better vocation if she's called to become a spouse of jesus christ a witness to the heavenly reality that we were not made for this world. And Jesus Christ is worth sacrificing everything to follow him. Let's pray that God will raise up many holy spouses who will intercede for us like St. Catherine of Siena, or St. Therese the Little Flower, the patroness of missions. St. Therese, whose picture is above the altar, she's the patroness of missionaries because she accomplished more in her 24 hidden years of life in the Carmel than many missionaries have over centuries, and she continues to do so. So the missionary vocation of a consecrated virgin extends into eternity. It's sublime. It's beyond our understanding in this life. Only in the next life will we see how much we benefited from the prayers of the little old nuns that we perhaps thought of as, you know, pitiable or having sorry lives in a convent that's very strict and they're to be pitied in heaven, their glory will be like none, like none other. They'll be sitting there with our Lord at his right and left, while all those who thought they had it made on earth will be in a much lower rank. So let's pray for this supernatural vision of a vocation and pray that God raises up among the daughters of our parish, of our communities, Girls who have courage, who have manly hearts, like St. Teresa of Avila said, we want manly women who are willing to give up everything to follow the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.